Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We're your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Woolahan, and we have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season or only one episode. Unless it's Razzy Month. Razzy Month. Yeah, so it's uh, Razzy Month. This is our last 2021 Razzy film. Yes. We will still be doing Jack and Jill for next week. But this is the last 2021 Razzy nominee. And today we are doing Sia's music. I need to put a couple disclaimers at the head of this episode. Okay. Uh, one, there's going to be a, a content warning because we are going to discuss prone restraint of an autistic individual. Uh, which is no good. And uh, we're, we're trying our best. We, we did as much research as we could in the short amount of time we have for episode turnaround. Uh, that being said, seems we did more research than Sia. Absolutely. Uh, so we're, we're going to try to handle the issues with uh, autism awareness and autism, uh, how an autistic character is treated as well as we can. We might be a little clumsy with it. but Yeah, please understand that this is a unscripted podcast discussion. This isn't a video essay. It's not like we sat down and wrote this and made sure that our verbiage is absolutely correct. We're going to try to be as correct as we can, but uh, this is a preemptive apology in the event that we use terms that are outdated or uh, not the best. (laughs) Now, I will say, we um, we did... I, I did look into, like, what are the preferred terms at this time? Because yes. I know there was a a point in time where like person first language was more popular. Yes. Uh, that's actually fallen out of vogue. Uh, so we will actually, based on the autistic activists that I was reading about in preparation for this episode, I will be saying that music is autistic or that music is an autistic person and not yes. a person with autism. Because I, based on what I'm reading from, that person first language seems to be uh, neurotypical and uh, non-disabled people yes. talking and actual uh, disabled activists and autistic activists don't like those terms that yes. much. And in the event you're already confused, music is the name of the film we are discussing. It's also the name of a character in the film. Yes. Um, also, that's Laura Prince. I'm TV's Noah Houlihan. We never brought that up either. I said it in the intro. You didn't introduce me, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. I'm here. Uh, if this is your first episode uh, of Stay Doomed... Oh, weird choice. Weird choice to walk in on this one. If this is your first episode of Stay Doomed, may I recommend starting with Turn On or Who Done It <laughs> or Murder in Small Town X. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of a... This is going to be a weird episode. Yes, this is definitely going to be a different episode than what we're used to doing. This movie sucks. This movie sucks. Uh, uh, the other thing I want to say about what we do is we watch shows that lasted one season or less, usually. And then we also watch the Razzie movies. And usually podcasts that do this, or YouTube shows that do this, it's just them kind of bagging and dunking on things that are bad. We try to find the good in things. Like, we're more of a discussion of what things went wrong instead of, ha ha, look at stupid thing. Yeah. Um, so this, we're going to try to, like, you know, 
discuss this with care, but like give this a legitimate discussion and like really look into like the failings and what was attempted and what went wrong. And to do that, we start with drinking. So let's pour one out. So I actually, I didn't make an alcoholic cocktail this week because I felt weird uh, making an alcoholic drink when the story centers around uh, a woman trying to get over her alcoholism. Right. Notice I'm saying a woman trying to get over her al- alcoholism, not an autistic person. Music is not the main character. Of not at story. all. Uh, so I made Sprite, watermelon juice, and gummy bears calling, and I'm just going to call it uh, Music's Morning Walk. Okay. Uh, I didn't have gummy dogs because she kind of goes through her morning routine. Mm. She's handed a watermelon slice. She goes to the library. And so I I wanted to make like a nice, cheerful, bubbly drink. Okay. For the village that takes care of music every morning. That makes sense. How is it? Tastes like Sprite with watermelon juice with gummy bears in the margarita glass. That makes sense. Uh, I tried to come up with the idea of a bartender... (laughs) who has the best intentions to come up with a fancy drink, but doesn't know what the heck they're doing. So I started with ice, and then I wanted a blue drink, so I added blue Coruscant. Of course you did. And then I was like, ah, I want it to be sweet, so I added liquor 43. But not, then I realized there was no base, so I added watermelon juice. But when that mixed with the blue, it just made kind of like a sludge. And then I blended it to make like a frozen drink, but I didn't use enough ice, so like most of it is just water. And then I threw in some stars on top of it. And then I added as a garnish a chocolate-covered pretzel, but it's covered in blue fudge and uh, glitter. Did you blend a pretzel? No, no, it was a garnish. It was a garnish. I ate it already. That's why you don't see it. That's why I was confused. But but I added that as a garnish, and I called it. If you don't like it, it's because you don't get it. Oh, I'm going to call it the... Dirty snow three weeks later. That is a very apt description of what this looks like. It looks like the the pile of snow that has been plowed and just sitting there in your local Walgreens. Yeah, like it, it looks pretty, pretty nasty. Yeah, it's not great. Mine's at least, like, drinkable. I mean, so- I'm drinking it. <laughs> I'm just not enjoying it. So the, the production house for this was... Pineapple Lasagna Productions. What a terrible name. I'm sorry. Oh, I made a note of it because it reminds... We've discussed this phenomenon before. Random Spork Girl. Yes. That's what this reminded me of. Yeah, it was like you were playing Scrabble and you picked two words. So I I wanted to make fun of that. And Pineapple Lasagna. Like, those two things together immediately makes you go, oof. Because you know what Pineapple Lasagna is? It's a worse pineapple pizza. Yeah. So, like, immediately it's just like, oh, you took pineapple pizza and made it worse, but still that. Ew! Now, one thing I'm I'm not going to do here in this is I'm really not going to go too hard on uh, Maddie Ziegler, who's the actress who plays music. Yes. Uh, Because I looked this up. This movie was released quite recently. It was released in 2021, but this was shot in 2017. Yes. And the actress playing music was 14 years old. And yeah. I think when all of the adults around some a teenager like this are telling her something is okay. Yeah. If I may. Yeah. Just, just a brief summary. This is the story of uh, 
Music, who is an autistic girl, mm-hmm. uh, who needs to be taken care of, and her uh, alcoholic sister, Zoo, comes yeah. and struggles to take care of her. Yeah. Just to give some context to like what we're saying right here. Yeah. So the girl playing music felt a lot of guilt for her portrayal of Several this character. said she cried on set. Yeah. Because she was so afraid of hurting people. And finding that out made me irrationally angry. Yeah. Because the idea that this young teenager is the only one who may have seen something wrong here. Mm -hmm. I was like, what were the adults in the room doing here? Like, this young woman is clearly aware enough that, like, she didn't feel right about it. Mm -hmm. But I can also see where, like, if you are a young... If you're a 14-year-old actress headlining a film, you're going to do what the adults in the room tell you to do. These are professionals who know more than you. Yeah. Like, so I, I have a lot of compassion for this. She's she's an adult now, but I, I feel like it is unfair to her to behave as though she filmed this two weeks ago. Right. So I, I wanted to set that up of, I'm really going to try to not go hard on this actress because this is a child. Yes. And just again, to restate this, this is written and directed by Sia. Yes, the pop star. Who, who sang Chandelier. Yes. Uh, we begin here. It is a while before we see the little girl's face. We get a number of, it reminds me of a comic book movie. Yeah. Of like body shots of, oh, did I mention she was a child when they filmed this? Yeah, it, like the opening shot is her in her underwear putting on pants. Yeah. And immediately I go, ugh. Because it's unnecessary. Yeah, I just, I don't understand why this is happening. It's just like, this is a weird way to open this film. Uh, And the title cards are all crayon. Yeah, which I'm very uncomfortable with. Yeah, like very juvenile, like, eh, not a big fan of this. We then snap to the first of many dream sequences cutaway musical numbers like yeah they're all in they could all be filmed theoretically in the same room that's just lit differently because they're all in essentially a plane for the exception of one at the yeah. end uh they're all in like a solid colored room this one is orange they're all in a void of some sort yeah they're all in janet's void from the good place yeah yeah but, but with more color but it's the bad place yeah and, uh, this movie is the bad place. She, we see music dancing, but she has she's wearing all yellow, mm-hmm. and she has yellow like lightning bolts on her. Yes, and then as she's dancing around, she runs into other people who are also dancing, and like she puts her lightning bolts onto them. I believe what we're supposed to get... There's a few things I think we're supposed to get out of this. Okay. One, this is music giving her energy and positivity to the people of her community. Okay. Maybe. And two, this is supposed to represent how music sees the world. Maybe, yeah. Like, this is music's kind of, like, vision of things. It's also, like, the choreography in this and in every number feels like a very grotesque caricature of stimming. Yes. And uh, stimming, it's usually used in the context of autistic people. 
mm-hmm. of things they do to like kind of just self-soothe or to stimulate themselves. But pretty much everyone does it. Like if you find yourself like drumming on something, yeah, like with your fingers or fidgeting, that's stimming as well. Mm-hmm. It's something that we don't think of in the context of neurotypical people. Yeah. But everyone does it. But this is a grotesque character of stimming. The first time we see Music's face, she is making a face that, like, I don't know how much research was done in guiding the actress's performance, but the performance she looks like she took notes from was Ben Stiller as Simple Jack in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, there, there is a lot of similarities to Simple Jack movements, yes. which is weird. Uh, I think... The intention with this is to try to frame someone stimming and doing, like, the fidgety hand moments. Because there's so much, like, finger dancing. Yeah. That, like, what you perceive as strange fidgeting being recategorized as happy dancing. Okay. I don't know if that's a good message. (laughs) Like, I I don't, like, this whole thing is super uncomfortable. And going back to that face that she's making. Yeah. Everyone else in her dream sequence dance montage moments is making that face as well? Yes. Like, it's always that the choreography throughout this feels like it is very, um... The choreography throughout the film feels like it is based on what music is doing. Yeah. And it, it's... I, I'm very uncomfortable it's, with... So I, I'm I'm trying to, for, like, understand. And yes, I understand that we're, we're three minutes into the movie and we're 15 minutes into the podcast. But, like, this is what we need to dissect. Yeah. Like, is the idea that... By giving everyone that face in her dream sequences, she no longer feels separated from the world because everyone's like that. Like, would it have been better for them to all drop that face? But then you're kind of saying, like, this is normal and this is not. There's also this... You can't separate the fact that in seeing this, there has to be a moment where the director, which is Sia... Mm-hmm. Saying, okay, I need everyone to make the face. Yeah. Like, that's a weird thing to think about. Like, we're three minutes into this movie, and I'm already so uncomfortable by it. And I have to bring this up. We watched it with subtitles. Yes. And the the lyrics during this musical number are, oh body, oh body, oh body, oh body. Mm-hmm. And the subtitles didn't even fit the screen correctly, so they were, like, running off. Yeah. Like, they were trying to escape the movie. But just, like, we're three minutes in and Sia has failed two different members of the disabled community. (laughs) And the other thing with this is uh, there's immediately, like, a strobe effect in this. Yes. And I am, to my knowledge, neurotypical, fairly. And uh, it bothered me. Yeah, I mean, strobes bother lots of people. And I un- I also understand the idea of if you're trying to show the world through the eyes of an autistic person, it would be overstimulating. 
right? Because that's yeah. that's the issue is that they're always trying to downplay sensory input because they intake so much it's always overwhelming. Yeah. But to create that visually on screen now makes it impossible for this community to enjoy the film. <laughs> so, like, there's so much going on here that's just like, I don't think these are good decisions. Yeah, and... Uh... So we get this end. Whenever we see music in the real world, she's dressed in white to mm. kind of highlight the difference between this and the dream sequences yes. that are always in bright colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the practical things of dressing any human being in all white, insane to me. Yeah. Because all I can think is like, I'm a full-grown neurotypical adult woman and... I do not ever wear all white because I am also a clumsy person. Like, my first thought is, oh my god, how how does her grandmother keep all this stuff clean? Right. Uh, that, that was just like a thing I noticed. And then we go back to the real world. Music wakes up humming and puts her headphones on. Which is weird because like the first shot was her getting dressed. Mm-hmm. And then we get a shot of her waking up. Yeah, what is happening? I was like, oh my god, are we back in 365 days? Like, this... uh, To me, someone waking up has become the lazy transition to me. Yeah. And noticing it in all of these movies... I I went back through the draft of the book I'm writing, and every scene sequence that starts with someone waking up in bed, just chopped. Chopped it off. Uh, My next note, way too many body shots of this child. Mm Mm-hmm. And then... She comes, like, music makes it into the kitchen, and an older woman makes her two sunny-side-up eggs and uh, makes a little ketchup smile. Yes. And then braids her hair. Braids her hair and then gives her fun facts. Yeah, like... She's, she tells her, did you know that uh, hippos sweat red? Mm-hmm. Which I looked up and is not true. Uh... Hippos actually are very uh, susceptible to sunburn because they have very sensitive skin. So they actually secrete a red liquid that is an ointment for their sunburns. It is not actually sweat. Don't tell us. We didn't ever teach you anything. Yeah, so not not only is Sia handling information about autism poorly, but but also is missing the mark on information about hippos. Yeah, like... Uh, but we also see later that her grandmother, this older woman, is her grandmother, Millie. It's easier to say that now. And she's getting these fun facts off like popsicle sticks. Yes. Like, she's trying to make conversation. She also says, like, oh, cats don't meow at each other, only humans. No, they meow at kittens. That's the whole thing is they think they're taking care of us. See, like, little things like this super bother me. <laughs> and so she braids music's hair. And then she gives music her fanny pack and says she loves her and turns this girl out into the street. Yes. Like, just lets her out. Mm -hmm. And I'm immediately like, what are you doing? And then uh, a man who I have written as Leslie Odom Jr., who is Aaron Burr from Hamilton. Yes. uh, Let's music out of her gated building. Yes. And then she stops at the newsstand and the man at the newsstand Gives music, like, a number of cutouts of dogs. Yeah, it's like, I found these pictures of dogs, National Geographic, it was a treasure trove this week. So, like, the idea being, you know, this is something he does out of habit for her. Mm -hmm. 
She walks by a fruit stand and a woman already has a piece of watermelon on a stick Mm -hmm. ready to hand music. And then music goes to the library and reads about dogs. And then she kind of like stares at the sky and looks at birds. And that's like, oh, okay, that's her like routine. Yes. And you get the idea of, I actually, I thought about In the Heights a lot during this. Of like, oh, the neighborhood and like the neighborhood is taking care of one of their own. Yeah. All of these people know music. All of these people, like... It's part of their day. Right. This man reads National Geographic, and every time he sees a dog, he cuts it out for the little girl. hmm You know, like, this is something that's part of everyone's routine. Right. Her routine is their routine. hmm Meanwhile, we cut back to Music and her grandmother's apartment, and we see her find another fun fact, and then she freezes and, like, clearly doesn't look terribly well. Yes. And then... Her mouth sags. Yeah, her mouth droops. And and she she collapses. Yeah. Presumably of a stroke. Yes. And then we see uh, Music arrive home and the superintendent of the building is there. George. And he goes like, oh, hi, Music. And he lets her in. He goes, I'm going to be up to fix your air conditioner in just a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, Which also establishes it's summer, wherever they are. Which is important for a reason I'll, I'll get into. It's important for a couple of reasons. It's summertime. So what end like me and Laura then have a panic attack. Yeah. Because we're like, okay, so there's two outcomes at this point. She's going to walk in. She's going to see her grandmother on the floor and she's going to freak out or she's going to do nothing. And we're both equally as uncomfortable about the uh, scenarios here. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we don't sit in this moment very long because music comes in, sits down sees her grandmother and kind of whimpers. Mm-hmm. And then George walks in. And I remember just being like, oh, thank, get us out of this moment, please. Yeah, because there was no good outcome here. Mm-hmm. And the super uh, kind of tries to like, like he tries to not look afraid or upset in front of music. Yes. Like, George is a great character. George is an amazing character. He He's like, he calls 911. He try. you hear him try not to say the word dead. Yeah. Uh, he goes like, oh, I found my neighbor collapsed. She's not breathing. She's not breathing. I can't, can't find, find a, a pulse. pulse. And but then he, like the whole time turning back to music going, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like, oh, but it's so not. But like, we establish that the village here is kind to Millie and to music. Millie yes. is the name of the woman, uh, music's grandmother, and the village is like they're part of the family, right? You know, this is uh, I kind of reminded me of like there's a weird poll. Hey Arnold's grandparents boarding house. Where, Yo, like, I totally felt like Hey Arnold a lot through this. Like they all know each other and they're kind of a family. Mm-hmm. And Leslie Odom Jr.'s character salutes as the paramedics take Millie's body away. Yes. So we establish him as being like. Honoring yes. Millie. There's like a there's like a minute dream sequence here. Yes. Where like the lighting changes and like Millie sits up and like reaches. Yeah. But like it's it's momentary. It's quick and it's confusing. Yeah. It, there's not enough happening to establish what this was even supposed to mean. Yeah. Oof. And then we cut to a woman snoring during an AA meeting. Yes. 
Uh, this is Kate Hudson. This is our protagonist. This is Zoo. I'm using the term protagonist very loosely here. Yeah. Uh, I don't... If you gave me the option of spending one week in a room with Zoo or with Lucy Hale's character from anything she's been in, I'd pick Lucy Hale's character. What, what if you had to be in a room with all of Lucy Hale's characters? Like, they're going to form a tight-knit group oh. and lock you out of it. <laughs> Uh, we haven't watched Katie Keene yet. How bad is she in Katie Keene? <laughs> yeah, we don't know. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but yeah, this is one of the worst people I've ever experienced through media. So she sees the phone, like, she she's kind of arguing with the woman who's running the meeting after she wakes up. Yeah. Because the woman who's running the meeting has a 90-day sober coin. Yes. And she goes like, how do I get one of those? Do I have to, like... Earn it? Or can I just, like, buy yeah, one? Yeah, do I just buy it? And she's like, you earn it. And she's mm. like, well, isn't that what I'm doing here? Yeah. And she gets a phone call, and she swears because she sees it's George. Yeah. To tell her that her grandmother's passed away. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I'll call you back. And uh, the next thing we see is we're back in the apartment yes. building. And uh, Music is watching a television show that she... The only thing we ever watch music, like see music, consume as far as media. Yes. And it's like a kid show. It kind of looks very like Yo Gabba Gabba-esque. I, I was going to describe it more like H.R. Uh, uh, Puffin stuff. Mm-hmm. Like where it's very, it's kind of like trippy, odd. Uh, you ever seen Yo Gabba Gabba? That's... Actually, no, now that you say what Yo it took me a minute to remember what Yo Gabba Gabba was. Uh, but like... Also mixed with, like, Ranger Joe from Full House. Yeah. Ranger Joe Gabba Gabba. Yeah, yeah so she's watching Ranger Joe Except Gabba Except Ranger Gabba. Joe is Tignataro. Yeah, it's Tignataro who shows up out I of can, nowhere. I can only assume was not told what this movie was. I almost think this was filmed, like, filmed for something else. Yeah, like, this is just a cutscene from something. Yeah. And George is, like, minding music. But music's not really, like, requiring a lot right now. Right. She's just kind of hanging out watching... Tignataro's show. And Zoo arrives. And George gives Zoo an envelope. And also, like, they kind of have an argument. Because the last time they saw each other, uh, Zoo stole his TV. Yeah. She, and and Zoo was like, you gotta understand, I was drunk and high. Never say on what. Yeah. And she stole her television. And he's like, that was years ago. It's like, that was five months ago. So just to give an idea of, like... If she's sober, it's not been for long. No. And she, they do in this scene show that she has the 90-day chip. And you and I had a discussion. That we're pretty sure her we character think stole she stole it. it. Yeah. Because the first chip you usually get is 30. Yeah. And she doesn't seem to have one of those. No. So we think this is... She stole this chip and was like, look, I'm sober now. So she is somewhere between 90 and 0 days sober. And, you know, Zoo tries to immediately, like, get on the floor and get in Music's face. I'm like, hi, I'm your sister. What's up? Yeah, very loud. And Music just is having none of it. Yeah. And the next thing we see... Music immediately says, go to bed. Yeah. And she just gets up and goes to bed. Yeah. Uh, Because Music's life is very much written routine. Uh, I I think... I want to bring this up now. Okay. Now that we're talking about the relationship between Music and Zoo. Zoo is short for kazoo. Yes. So it's 
kazoo and music. I believe to represent music is everything that is great because it's music. Yeah. Kazoo is the smallest and probably worst part of music. Like if they could have figured out a way to name her accordion, they would have. <laughs> But they went with Zoo. And I was like, man, this is ham-handed. And I kind of hate their parents. <laughs> like, music, I think, is a great name. Yeah. Kazoo? Yeah, and like, like ugh. Music is kind of one of those names of like, okay, your, you know, your hippie mom mm-hmm. named your kid music. Yeah, normal Kazoo? Kazoo's really bad. It was like, this is their brother, Bagpipe. And they're half-sisters. They have different fathers. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, they're half-sisters. And, um, yeah, because I have music and kazoo. Dear God, these parents. (laughs) Um, But the next thing we see is Zoo in Millie's bedroom, on the phone with mental health services, asking if they do pickup. Los Angeles County Department of Mental Health. Listen, do you guys do pickup? Like, if I got a kid that needs to be picked up, or do I have to come in and, and drop her off? Pickup? You mean, like, a laundry service? No, we don't do pickup. Like, the woman on the other end of the line is incredulous. Yeah. Uh, that, what, what are you asking here for? Yeah, do you, you really just want to dump this, this person, this human being, off with us? And it's not even like the burden is too much and you're not able to take care of her. It's Zoo, about an hour has elapsed. She's been in the house for like an hour. And she's already on the phone with mental health services being like, can you just like, come get this? Thanks. Mm -hmm. And so she opens the envelope George gives her. And there's a letter. Yes. Dear Kazoo, there is no money. (laughs) Yeah, what a way to start. Well, to me, I'm like, oh, this shows that Millie like knew that Kazoo Mm -hmm. was only going to show up to see if there was an inheritance. But Millie then pleads with Zoo to, like, take care of music, saying she's a magical little girl. Yes. Couple problems here. Go ahead. We've established Kazoo is at the maximum, even if, you know, even if she never had another drink after the night she stole the TV. Which, let's just say that. Yeah. She is maximum five months sober. Mm Mm-hmm. Maximum. And does not have her life together. We don't see where she's living or any of her her life before she comes to the apartment. Who was... If this girl was still, like... If Kazoo was, like, in jail still or in the gutter somewhere, who was going to take care of music? Right. Like, Millie clearly had a will and had, like, something, like, planned. Yeah. Also, if Zoo was aware music existed... Logically, any of Millie's money would be tied up in, like... Caring for music. Yeah, like, all of the money I have is to support music after I'm gone. Right. And that's very common uh, for parents who have autistic kids to do, is, like, to try to set aside money and have a plan of, like, you know, logically your child is most likely going to outlive you. What is the plan after you can no longer take care of them? And you don't, you shouldn't and can't necessarily plan on a sibling being available or being able to. Because you you don't know what their siblings' lives are going to look like. So I 
always thought this is just a weird plot hole. Like, how is this the best person to take care of music? Like, yeah. How is there not someone else in her life? Uh, and that's why the summer is relevant to me. We do not see music attend any kind of school. Mm-hmm. And we also... It seems inconceivable there's no social worker yeah. involved in any of this. That there's no social worker involved in... Even if there wasn't a social worker in like music's day-to-day life, you would think that someone in the government would be aware that Millie was taking care of an autistic individual and that a social worker would need to be involved in the transition. Right. No. No. <laughs> no, there's no social services. There's no caseworker. No one is like... There's no advocate for music right. when Millie passes away. Uh, I also want to throw in the, the important line because it's important because it makes things confusing later. Mm-hmm. And they go back to it a few times is you probably don't remember this, but music used to cling to you like a koala bear. Mm-hmm. Remember that because I'm going to scream about it later. So when we get back, we then transition to music's room. And it's not uncommon for autistic people to have a special interest. Yes. And music's is dogs. Yeah, she loves dogs. And we see a collage in her wall of all of the dog pictures that she's ostensibly gotten from the kind new stand man. Right. On her wall, and she's just kind of staring at them dreamily. And then a neighbor uh, flicks his flashlight. Yes. And lights up the dogs. And music just kind of watches it enwrapped. And then we get a dream sequence where she's among her own blue walls in the dog pictures. And she's in all pink and she dances with like a mop dog. Yeah. Oh my God. I forgot about this. Yeah. She dances with like a she, mop dog. Yeah. She dances with the dog from the, uh, uh, the Grinch Who Stole Christmas uh, TV oh, musical. Oh God. <laughs> Like, this scene doesn't do anything. It's just a dream sequence. I don't know if this is the way she experiences the world or what is going on here. Uh, I guess we it's important to establish that this neighbor is a character we'll come to know as Felix, who yes. kind of watches music from afar. Yes. But this is important. Is never shown interacting with her or anyone else that knows music, really. Other yeah. than Ebo at that one point, but we'll get to it. Oh, then my next note is, hey, who greenlit this garbage? Yeah, for real. And then we get to back into Millie's bedroom where Zoo is sleeping in panties and a sports bra, Mm -hmm. which is what Zoo is wearing for like a lot of the movie. Yeah. Because it's summer and the air conditioner never got fixed because Millie died. Oh, I guess. Yeah. So George never like fixed it because he was distracted. Yeah. And... So, <laughs> music comes in and says in a grotesque parody of an autistic person's voice. Yeah. Make you eggs. Make you eggs. Make you eggs. What time is it? Make you eggs. Make you eggs. Stop. Which I think we're supposed to assume that Millie used to say to her, I'm making you eggs. Mm-hmm. And that's how she learned the phrase. Yeah, or time to make you eggs. Yeah. So she just says, make you eggs. Mm-hmm. Because she <sighs> says, braid your hair the same way. Yes. And, of course, like, 
Zoo makes scrambled eggs instead of sunny side up. Yeah, because she doesn't know what she's doing. And then when Music wants her hair braided, she's like, I don't know how. Uh, uh, music starts to uh, freak out. She has a meltdown. She has a meltdown and she starts hurting herself. And this brings Ebo in. Ebo. Is it Ebo? Yes. I, I think I want it to be Oboe. Because I want it to be a musical instrument. So I keep mentally doing that. Yeah, I actually, I made a note it. about the pronunciation to make sure I had it right. It's Ebo. Okay. Uh, and that's Leslie Odom Jr.'s character. Yes. And he then does, we we now have to address yeah, this. Yeah, let's, let's definitely address this because like we had very different reactions to this. Uh, he comes in and he says, like, I am crushing you with my love. Yes. And lays on top of her. Music. It's your friend Ebo. You know me. And trust me. I'm going to impress you now and make you feel safe. Come on. You're not hurting her, are you? No, I'm not. I am crushing her with my love. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember from when I was taking my uh, handicapped in the classroom uh, class when I was becoming a teacher that it's common for autistic people to like the feeling of pressure. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they're just doing that. You then found out a lot of different information. The pressure thing is not inaccurate, and that's why weighted blankets came into uh, production. They yeah. were originally a tool for autistic people to get that sensation safely. Right. Safely is a real key word there. And there are guidelines for, like, this... Weight blanket for this weight human. Right. And it's like a tenth of your body weight, roughly. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong there. It could be like 15%. It's not more than 20. Right. So like, you know, I would get like a 15 pound blanket. Not a, not a grown man who outweighs me. Not a Leslie Odom Jr. And this is what's called prone restraint. Mm -hmm. Children have died from this. Right. Uh, because this is... They are crushed. They are suffocated. Uh, they could panic and like choke on their saliva. Mm -hmm. This is a horrible practice. Yes. And this is the, not even the only time we see it. Yeah, this is being presented to us as like the best practice when music is upset. Yeah, and it's it's very bad. Like yeah. Not even, like, and that's even just divorcing it of, like, the weirdness of a 14-year-old girl being crushed by a grown man. Yeah. Like, that's also a a strange thing to deal with here. Do we know she's 14? Uh, I'm saying 14 because the actress was 14. Okay, okay. Um, So that, I, I'm assuming she is around the same age as the character. Okay. Um... But that's, again, that's me assuming she is never explicitly giving an age. Yes. So Evo... out about that later. <laughs> uh, Evo also then, like, braids music's hair. He knows how to braid her hair. He also knows which hair tie goes on which side. Yes. Because, like, blue is on the right and orange is on the left or what have you. Yeah, because music wears the hair ties on her wrists. Uh, and... And Zoo and Evo were talking. And then in the script... The script Laborious, laboriously tries to equate Zoo having an unusual name with Ebo having 
an ethnic name. Yeah. Like, tries to make those two things totally the same. And I was like, Ugh. This is why I want it to be oboe. Because I want them both to be musical instruments. Mm-hmm. And then they would at least have that connection. Yeah. But, like, th- this relationship infuriates me. And Ugh. Zoo, like, finally realizes she is, like, still in her panties and sports bra. Because she's still in her panties and yeah, sports bra. Yeah, this whole thing goes on and she's just standing there half naked. So she goes and she grabs, like, one of Millie's house dresses and grabs a book Millie left her about, like, music's routine. Yes. So we establish, like, oh, okay, uh, Millie hasn't, or excuse me, Millie, music hasn't wet the bed in two years and she's allergic to bees, penicillin, and nuts. And... Does the book establish that she's allergic to bees? Yes. Okay. And also... (laughs) I hate when I learn new upsetting information during the podcast. As a matter of fact, I feel like this exact thing has happened before. Probably. I feel like we had a podcast where we were deliberately arguing about someone being allergic to bees in a previous episode. If someone remembers what that was, please tweet that at me. This is going to be a weird moment where I just go with my Google Drive and search bees. Bees? Bees. Okay, it might have been in an older episode before I started using this drive. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also like establish what her walk in the morning looks like and Ebo offers to accompany Zoo... To kind of shadow music for yeah. her morning walk. To see, like, what her routine looks like. Yes. And, you know, music kind of has a dream sequence, uh, which I don't have any notes about. I don't remember this dream sequence at all. I just say music dream sequence. I don't have what... It, it was not a memorable one. They all just blend together. Um, and there's also the element of, like, I'm trying to take notes and sometimes these dream sequences are very quick. Right. Uh, so music hasn't wet the bed in two years. And Zoo's like, I haven't wet the bed in four months. <laughs> Which means she's like Whoa. maximum four months over, I guess, because... Oh, yeah, there's some information for us. Uh, because usually if a healthy adult wets the bed, it's because they are uh, impaired beyond comprehension. Right. Uh, and Zoo talks about like, oh, my plan is to like oh, I'm going to move to Costa Rica and teach yoga. And uh, Ebo was like, oh, I teach boxing to children. Right. And so they're kind of like talking about, you know, what they are. And then Zoo is kind of like, do you want to go out for dinner? Like, I don't have my wallet, so you'd have to pay, but I'll get you next time. Yeah. Like, she's such a scumbag. And then uh, Zoo says like, it's okay. Uh, I'm going to have somebody, I'm going to call the people pound. I can't right now, but uh, maybe later I can stop by and help out with music. Oh. I was actually planning on sending her to people pound later, but guess I'll keep her a little longer. Yeah, I'm going to drop her off at the people pound later. Oh! Like, Ebo, who we've established as like a patient, kind, mm-hmm. happy man, just glares at her. Yeah. Like, that's the line for Ebo, apparently. Well, because she also says at one point, uh, are you the most smiley man on the planet or are you high? And Ebo has to be like, I I don't do drugs. 
Like, everything she says is just, like, makes your skin crawl. Yes. But that line to me, as soon as she said, I'm going to drop her off at the people pound, I was like, you're irredeemable. I don't care if you cure cancer by the end of this film. You're despicable. And I've been reading a review to kind of, like, inform... uh, To inform... There's a... uh, It's three autistic writers who... uh, They're... Website is called The Autistic Cats. Yes. And I, I've been looking to them for guidance on a lot of things because they're looking at things uh, with a little more insight than I am. Right. Uh, so they were deeply upset by the term people pound. Uh, I believe the writer of this review is female, but she was deeply upset by the term people pound. Like. Yes, Eden. I would have walked out of the theater on that line. I think I would have gotten in trouble. Because I think I would have been like, what the hell? Yeah, because like, I understand that it's a film. And thus, like, this character is going to have an arc where they, you know, they start low and end high. Like, because I know that's how film works. But that line, I was like, I don't want you to succeed. I want you to get struck by lightning right now. Like, that would be a happier movie to me. Yeah. And like I'm just going to spoil it right now. This film is, at that moment, you thinking, how horrible are you as a person to th- even think about doing that to music? And then it spends an hour and a half explaining to you, like, man, music would be better off without this human being in her life. Yeah. That's how awful she is. Um, I mean, it is... Music doesn't get to be a character. No, she's not the main focus here. Music's barely... Like, this is Zeus' story. Mm -hmm. And music is a prop. Like, and I... I, um, When I draw this comparison, the movie is wrong. Mm -hmm. But, like, you could change music to a non-human threat. That she has to deal with. That she's refusing to deal with. Like an illness or uh, a storm or something like that. And it would basically be the same movie. Uh, There's a... We've talked about like the Bechdel test. Yeah. Uh, There's a bunch of other joking tests. Like there's the Mako Mori test of like whether a female character has a story arc that does not involve a man. Right, right. Uh, There's also the sexy lamp test. The sexy lamp test. Yeah, if a character could be replaced by a sexy lamp. (laughs) (laughs) And I I don't like... Like the the leg from A Christmas Story? Pretty much, yeah. Like, uh, essentially, what what the meaning behind it is, is if the character is seemingly decorative. Gotcha. And I I don't like using the term sexy lamp toward a 14-year-old. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Uh, But like... It's this inspirational disability of, like, music is so innocent and so pure and so good, Mm -hmm. but she's given no agency in the story. She's given no... uh, The story never really allows her the time or the energy to be able to, like, pay attention to her. Yeah, the movie's not about music. It's about Zoo dealing with music. So then we go to Felix, who is working at... His parents' laundromat, and his yes. father is abusive. Yes, and Felix is adopted. Yes, like okay. I don't know why we adopted you. 
Yeah. And his mother is kind of kind, but his father's a real rat bastard. Yeah. And uh, we we establish that fact about Felix and his family. Mm-hmm. We'll get into Felix later. I'm going to scream about Felix later toward the end of the movie. Uh, so Zoo is now pawing through the apartment looking for any money she can steal. Yes. From Millie. And then there's a, like a coffee can with dollar bills on it. Mm-hmm. And she climbs up to get it, and it's Monopoly money. It's full of Monopoly money. But she also finds, like, a three-quarter empty bottle of alcohol. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I guess we weren't so different. That's super different. Just because, like, Grandma Millie had in a high shelf yeah. one alcohol bottle. Yeah. Perhaps she liked a hot toddy on occasion. Yeah, like, one, one alcohol bottle that is... About one quarter full. Yeah. I mean, that could just be like, the woman has a glass of scotch on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're, you're different. Yeah. Like, but Zoo, to her credit, does then tip it down the sink. Right. And then in another coffee can, Zoo finds some of her old things. Some of her old toys, old Legos. And then... Zoo kind of, like, dumps them out in front of music and tries to connect with her. Yeah, like, let's play with these. These are so cool. And, and also has, like, a clay figurine of her dog growing up. Yeah. Uh, raindrop? Raindrop. Yes. And music goes to bed. Yes. Uh, because music doesn't care. Yes. Uh, about Zoo's attempts to connect with her. They attempt to do something cool here. Yeah. Where uh, Zoo is, like, upset and you hear Tignataro mm-hmm. saying, like, this is your mission. It'll be hard, but you can do it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm only catching this because the subtitles are on screen. You didn't mix it, so this is audible. Yeah, and like, and because we're paying attention to Tignataro, because the alternative is to pay attention to this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm so excited when I see Tignataro. Man. Speaking of character I, actors we're excited to I see. I super wish like a comedian would show up and help this film. Would you dare say this film is the worst? <laughs> Please send me a hedgehog. Uh, so then we see Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz shows up as a drug dealer. We don't know he's a drug dealer at this point. Oh, no, I'm sorry. A wig shop owner? Yeah, he's like putting different wigs on Zoo <laughs> and trying to encourage her to process the death of her grandmother. Yeah. So you don't know what he is to her. Like, Yeah, his he, name's Rudy? Yeah, he could be anything. And then you find out that Zoo owes Rudy a great deal of money. Yes. And Rudy's like kind of exasperated. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Zoo owes him money and Zoo's not delivering. And then Zoo, quote, goes to work. She goes and visits a wealthy woman mm-hmm. and deals her a sampler pack yeah, of, of drugs. Of, like, Oxycontins and Percocets, Percocets and, and Ritalin and stuff. And you made this note. Evelyn is played by Juliette Lewis. Yes! From The Other Sister, a woman who should know better than yeah, to be in a this woman movie. who has played an autistic person in a film. Like she should have looked around and been like, "Wait, what are we doing?" Yeah. The next scene we get here is Ebo on the phone with ostensibly an insurance company because we find out that Ebo is critically ill at this point and that he needs a certain medication to stay alive that he can no longer afford. Yes. Enjoy this foreshadowing that leads to nothing. Yes, enjoy um, it. Enjoy it. 
Because this really seems like we're going to get a plot line of, you know, everyone who helps Zoo, something unfortunate happens to them. Mm -hmm. But no, this never really comes back. So then... It does exactly twice. Get excited. Because I'm going to freak out when we get to it. And then uh, Zoo is kind of celebrating, because when she met with Evelyn, Evelyn has a friend who wants a lot of drugs. Yes. So Zoo is like, I can get drugs? Drugs! <laughs> um, Zoo wants to celebrate. They're broken, they have no money, but Zoo like, goes and buys a kiddie pool. Buys a kiddie pool. It's like, and we're then, having a pool party. And then like grabs the hose and George goes like, water isn't free, Zoo. And she goes, I'm setting it free. Yeah. Because she's, I guess, a cool free spirit or whatever. Now, during this time, uh, Ebo, am I saying it wrong still? No, Ebo is Ebo? correct. Uh, Ebo gets music like an iPad. Uh, he doesn't get this for her. This is a this is a tool that people use. It's an augmentative and alternative communication system that is commonly used by nonverbal autistic people. He, I'm not sure. Maybe he's not the one who got it for, but he's the one teaching music how to use it. Yes. And basically, it's buttons that say like "I am sad," "I am scared," "I am happy." Yeah. And also like "yes" and "no." Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Zoo fills up the pool and is kind of like splashing in it, around in it. And they keep asking music, do you want to get into the pool? Do you want to put your hand in the pool? Do you want to put your feet in the pool? And she keeps saying no. Right. But she seems happy. Yeah. And then we get a dream sequence, which is all in red. Yes. Where it's kind of like the spraying of the hose. And then there's kind of like uh, these big inflatable like this is a nightmare sequence if you have like the the blueberry fetish from Willy Wonka that that comes out and I'm guessing there's supposed to be water droplets represented and then there's a foam pit which I think is supposed to represent the pool yeah and my this is what I'm assuming and like I hope this is what they're saying with this scene is despite the fact that to an onlooker, it looks like music doesn't want to be there because music keeps saying, no, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. She's actually happy in that moment. She just doesn't want to go in the pool. She's happy that Zoo is there in the pool. She's happy to be by the pool. She just doesn't want to touch the water, but she's still happy. Yeah. Which is kind of a nice message. This is not the way to say it. The way to say it is definitely not to have all these people making that face, Mm -hmm. dancing around confusingly and overstimulatingly. And they're all in, like, leotards with, I shit you not, the nipples cut out like it's goddamn Mean Girls. Yes, and the crotch. Yes. I was like, why is this moment so sexualized? A lot of the stuff related to this is weirdly sexualized. Like, it, it's so confusing. And, like... And this is something that, like, is a Sia thing. Because uh, the young actress, Maddie Ziegler, she's very commonly seen in, like, a flesh-toned leotard. Yes. And the Sia wig. Yes. And I, I've always been a little uncomfortable with that, because I'm always like, why, why are we trying to make this child look as naked as possible? Yeah, like... When I say this is my interpretation of this, it is less of me taking the information and processing it into, 
what the intention of the artist. It's me seeing what's on screen and being like, okay, how can I justify this? Because if I don't, I'm going to freak out. Yeah. Like, there's got to be some sort of good intent here. Maybe it's this. Let's all believe it's this so we don't lose our minds. Yeah. Like, I'm just kind of saying, like, this doesn't feel like it's a hallmark of the movie or of music. This just feels like it's, like, Sia's appeal. Yeah. Like, this is something Sia finds appealing. Uh, and I think with this sequence... Now, we'll, I'm going to save this for another sequence. And then, like, Ebo and Zoo are also in this sequence with her. Yes. And, uh... Just showing his talent. Because, man, he's awesome at dancing. <laughs> yeah, and, like, Zoo in the... Now, he doesn't do it in the musical number, in this musical number, but Zoo does. Does, like, her facial expressions. Yes. Like, it, it's extremely uncomfortable. Now, something the Autistic Cats review brought up that I, I didn't really catch. The book that we see music reading every day is not like a picture book. It is a big, like, library tome without a lot of pictures. So she's clearly reading. Yes. At a reasonable level. Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't like Pat the Bunny. Right, right. And the only things we hear her, um, her communication device say are like, yes, no, I am happy, I am sad, I am scared. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like there are more complex ones for nonverbal autistic people. Yes. Who have a command of language at the extent that music seems to. Because mm-hmm. I remember watching the Oprah Winfrey show. Mm-hmm. And there was this story about, uh, I, I don't remember exactly what the condition was, but a disabled person who was nonverbal and could not walk. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, his father would run, like, marathons with him. And they would, like, put him in this, like, uh, this, like, carriage. And they would run together. And that was kind of their thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were like, when we come back, we're going to hear him speak. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, so we asked him a question, and it takes a while for him to respond because he's using this computer program where he uses his eyes to spell things. Yeah. So we asked him about his relationship uh, with his father, and this is what they had to say. And then they like hit a button, and then this voice plays of like, uh, the time with my father uh, in these races is the most important thing to me. Uh, to steal a line, he truly is the wind beneath my wings. And like, I remember, because I saw this very young, being like, oh my God, like, he quoted something. Like, yeah. Like, that's a level of awareness and, like, knowledge that, like, he has so much inside of him that he can't communicate here. To limit music the way they're doing here definitely paints the picture that she's not capable of that level of thinking. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if that is true or not, it really could have benefited if they just added a line of, like, this is the one we can afford. See, I'm looking at, like, I'm literally looking at these devices right now. Because I was curious about them. And these devices are fascinating and have the ability to be very complex. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I just kind of, like, I'm looking at aphasia.com and, like, the first device they have. There's a 9,000-word database already 
with like phrases that are common. Mm -hmm. And then you can also customize it for like their special interest. Uh, The example they have here is Harry Potter and they have all of the character names and different like major things in the book and people that they have in their Hmm. lives. Like the one I'm looking at, the example is like it has a picture of the teacher and then like Mrs. Smith. So these are very fascinating, complex devices boiled down to a very, very simple, like, I have a hard time believing that music is capable of this incredible inner world C is trying to present, mm-hmm. but can only say, can, can essentially only emote like a Teletubby. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I like... The truth of the matter in my mind is if music had something that allowed her to communicate better, Sia would have had to written her into as more of a character. Yeah, that's true. And again, this movie's not about music. And when you say like it's what they could afford, what I looked at real quick, uh, they said like 97% of the people who apply for these don't have to pay for them. Oh, interesting. Because it's a communication device. Okay. Um... So they would have had to actually, she would have had to actually. (sighs) Done some Googling? Look, guys, I'm not claiming I did hours upon hours of research for this podcast. But a quick Google has afforded me more information than the director of this film. And yeah, like, it's not so much of like, she should have done research on like, well, I mean, she should have. She should have done research. But at the bare minimum, she should have Googled every line she had someone say. Yeah. <laughs> Just be like, hey, we're putting this information out there. Let's see if it's accurate. Tick, 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 tick. No, it's not sweat. It's ointment. I, those are the ones I'm actually willing to forgive. Because we established she gets them off a uh, off the popsicle. I will thing. not hear this slander against the good humor people. <laughs> You're the one who always tells me to read you my Snapple fact. Yes. I know. I enjoy them. Um, Hedgehogs float. So we then get this scene where Ebo, who we also established in a prior scene, Ebo had a brother who was like music. Yes. And Ebo is from Ghana. And in his village, it was considered a curse in his brother's death. Yeah. Which, again, like... There were no African people in the production of this film. So this is a white lady saying this is what Mm -hmm. this black man's experience was. Yeah! Like, (laughs) yikes. Um, Effing yikes. And we established that other members of Ebo's family are in New York. So it's not like... It's not like everyone else in his family is still in Ghana and he has moved here. Yeah. So, ugh. But Ebo then, like, is explaining how music processes things to Zoo and says, like, she understands everything you say. Yes. Uh, she listens to the headphones because it's auditory filtering. Yes. Because she has incredible hearing. Yeah. The, the two big ones that they really want you to remember is she can hear whispers two f- rooms away. Mm-hmm. And when she looks at you and looks away, she is taking a snapshot. Because to look at you longer would be overwhelming. Would be overwhelming, but she wants to remember it. Yeah, like... And this is very much... 
they didn't feel like making the autistic character an actual character. So her experience is filtered through another character. Yeah, she's boiled down to her symptoms. And we get like a little dance of like, we see the, the uh, we see dry leaves. Yes. Which to me implies like, is it fall? Right. When is this film? Because we were like, we thought it was summer the whole time, but all of a sudden there's these dry leaves. And I was like, theoretically, a, a character like music would be attending school. Yeah. Like, she would be attending some kind of program. Yeah. That is meant for her needs. I can't see her grandmother being like, no, 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 she's just going to stay home with me for the rest of her life. Yeah. Like, that doesn't seem like... Popsicle sticks are her school. Yeah. Like, that doesn't seem on the... That doesn't seem accurate to what those characters would be doing. And... uh. She does, like, a. there's a dance sequence where we see her kind of dancing through, like, hot coals, essentially. Yeah. Like, it's stylized and pretty. It's because of the colors. Yeah, what does this mean? Like, but then a group of screaming children runs by and mm-hmm. overwhelms music. And she has a meltdown. Yes. Because she's overstimulated. And Zoo, like, looks at Ebo and goes, like, do the thing again. You know, do the thing that's killed children before. Yeah. And he goes... Music. Do that thing. I'm not climbing on top of a small screaming white girl in the middle of this park. It's your turn. My turn. You can do this. I'll talk you through it. Poor music is face down in the dirt. Yeah, she gets tackled by Zoo, Mm -hmm. who holds her down face first into the dirt and is kind of like whispering like, it's your sister, you're safe. Mm -hmm. But like, she is face down in the dirt, which is like, not great. Yeah. Uh, and, like, everybody's kind of watching on, oh, this scene makes yeah. me sad. Yeah. Uh, this scene actually was supposed to result in a, uh, a, a disclaimer being run before the film. Really? Yeah, Sia claimed she was going to run, like, a warning card before the film of, like, this film shows prone restraint, which is not a good way to do things. Hmm. Uh, did you notice one? No, I sure didn't see one. Also, these scenes were supposed to be cut in response to the backlash. Yeah. They weren't. Yeah, I I think you lose a lot of the movie if you do. Because, like, it's the only thing that Ebo teaches Zoo that Zoo then does. Yes. So, like, it's kind of an important character moment for Zoo. But, like, this movie, we haven't gotten into half the stuff that doesn't make sense. That's coming up, I believe, right after this. Well, the next scene we get is uh, Ebo was just hanging out with Zoo and Music in their apartment. Mm -hmm. And Ebo goes like, you're really close in age. And Zoo's like, excuse me? I'm twice her age. And Ebo goes, emotionally, you're like the same age. you're both nine. Which we've never established that we we don't know enough about Music. Right. To know, like, what her capacities are. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, this is where I want to point this out. The letter said, you probably don't remember this, but she used to cling to you like a koala bear. Mm -hmm. For that to be true, there would have to be a time where there, that music was around and Zoo was so young, it's a time that she doesn't have memories from. Yeah. So there's no way she's twice her age. 
Or, or the koala thing's a lie. And, like, well, there's a third option. Uh, there's that Zoo was so, like, drunk or high around this child that she doesn't Oh, yeah, it. that's probably true, too. Because, like, Kate Hudson... Why not? Kate Hudson was in her late 30s when this was made. Mm-hmm. She would have been, um... She would have been about 37, based on a quick Google. Which means... She's 37, and Maddie Ziegler was 14, so she's more than twice her age. And we're never given exactly how old music is supposed to be. But if we assume she is 16, then uh, Zoo would have to be 32 to be Mm -hmm. twice her age. And for music to be, like, a clinging koala bear child would be three or four, let's Mm -hmm. say. So that would make you, what, 20? Yeah. And you don't remember? It's so confusing and stupid. And lazy. Yeah. Um, Th- there's also a moment, I believe it's this scene, where they tightly hug each other. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is this supposed to mirror the prone restraint thing? That it's just like, see, everybody likes it. I kind of got the impression that it was like, these two people are obscenely lonely well he says something like you're safe during it ah which makes me be like wait is is this just trying to be like yeah we're all the same we like compressions what a weird i don't know and then um evo reveals that his wife left him for his brother yes and zoo reveals that her attempt to steal george's tv began as a suicide attempt Yes. Like she was going to jump off the building. And Zoo, when Ebo hugs her, slips in to his pocket the little clay figurine of Raindrop. Yes. And then we get this purple dream sequence of, I need your love tonight. And everyone's there. We're like, music and Ebo. Uh, I'm not sure what's happening, but I have Aaron Burr know why. I... Is this where is this where they're considering spending the night together? Yeah, I think this is the. This, this would then be the one where he's running on a treadmill in giant. No, bricks. that's the next one. That's the next. This one. is the I'm insecure one. Oh, these lyrics, my God. Oh, so this isn't a dream sequence. This is actually just a musical montage. Yeah, find your nearest twelve year old and ask to look at their poetry. Yes. After they try to kill you for it, uh, it's this. It's. Yeah. I am insecure. Maybe love is the cure. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yes. Uh, something, something pure. Yes. Drink some Pedia, sure. Yeah, like, I have a rhyming dictionary and I am 12. Yes. Uh, the music in this is god-awful. Yeah, it's real bad and unmemorable. Yeah, like, it's... Because it's all in these overwhelming visual sequences, so the music never stands out. Mm-hmm. Because you're too busy trying to process what the hell is happening on screen. Yes. I mean, I love shitting on cats. Yes. I do. I just, I love it. The the film, not the creature. Yeah, this is this is not that kind of video. Uh, but I love making fun of Cats 2019, directed by Tom Hooper. Cats didn't hurt anybody. Like Cats is a dumb movie. Mm-hmm. But you know what? 
cats didn't harm whole communities. Yeah, this film hurt everyone who saw it. Yes. If there's a person out there that saw this and was like, I thought it was good, they learned something incorrect about the autistic community. Yeah. And that's that's horrible. (laughs) So then we, we get, like, Zoo at the pawn shop. Like, talking to the guy who runs the pawn shop, with whom she's friend. Like, she's trying to pawn something of Millie's. Yes. And uh, we also then see uh, Felix and Ebo. We get another Felix scene. Felix is one of Ebo's boxing students. But we see Felix kind of, like, look at a dance class across the street longingly. Mm -hmm. And Ebo is like, you know, sometimes we have to be places we don't want to be. Yeah, he starts calling him Picasso. Yeah, you're an artist. Because he's an artist. And we find out Felix's dad pushed him into boxing. Mm-hmm. Because Felix is big. Yeah. And uh, we find out... We also get in this montage-ish thing some, like, zoo and music actually starting to kind of bond. Yeah. In this montage, very quickly in a throwaway scene. hmm Like, we don't get a lot of them bonding. And Ebo then tells Zoo he's planning to attend his brother's wedding. To yes. his ex-wife. And Zoo is like, music and I'll come with you as your plus ones. Yeah. And Ebo is like, yeah, I'm cool with that. And then Zoo comes on to Ebo. And we don't really understand why Ebo would really be attracted to Zoo. No. Like, Ebo is a very kind, selfless, generous individual. And... It makes perfect sense why someone would be attracted to him. Yeah, but like... He's also Leslie Odom Jr. So, like, it makes a lot of sense that someone is attracted to him. But, like, I don't think there's a moment where Zoo makes him laugh. There's not a moment where, like, Zoo does anything for him or for music that negates the people pound remark. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is when we get the musical number for Ebo. Yes. Where he's in giant pants. He's in giant pants and he's running on a treadmill and he's like screaming. And like music kind of sees him through the crack in the door Mm -hmm. in the bathroom while he's like putting water on his face. Yeah. What is it like? Are we seeing things through the eyes of music? And if we are, what does that mean? Yeah, like... Because I keep thinking of the film Chicago. Okay. Stay with me here, kids. In the film Chicago, all of the musical numbers are explicitly in Roxy Hart's head unless they are on stage. Okay. The only ones that are not in her head are And All That Jazz, Mm -hmm. which she is watching, which is someone performing. Right. And uh, Nowadays at the end, which she is performing. And all of the rest of them are kind of in her head and she's watching them. That's what I thought this film was trying to do. But they kind of have this thing of, if you're going to do that, Roxy needs to be in or around every musical number. Mm-hmm. Sia wants to make this a musical, but she doesn't want to really deal with uh, having to not have music be around. So the music is like... We're seeing these very intimate concepts through a person who's not involved in the relationship. Yeah. And I believe this is also the dream sequence where we see him get out of a coffin. 
Is yes, that this one? Yeah, I he, think so. He gets he like he's clearly opening the the lid to a coffin, and then he sits up, and the lighting changes, and you can see the coffin is actually the Bible. What does that mean? I don't know. It reminds me of like a high school experimental theater. We're like, I'm deep, but <laughs> this is how. Music sees the world. Oh, and, and religion has, of course... He's the good man, but sleeping with Zoo would make him die? What is this? What is anything? I can't even put a clip in, because it's visual. The next morning, uh, Ebo did not stay the night. <laughs> yeah, by the way, he doesn't. And music comes in demanding eggs. Mm-hmm. And Zoo begs George to babysit music while she goes to a client. Yes. She's like, I have to work. So Zoo takes music with her. Because George says no. And Zoo kind of tries to get music to be like, hey, can you like get out your weird stuff on the elevator? Like if you're going to do something, could you just like do it now? Which is not how no. autism works. Uh, they, they get up to this like floor and there's like a bunch of costumes and... <laughs> Music starts to, like, walk over and touch stuff. Yeah. And, which causes Zoo to go, music, 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 and causes me to go, cigarette, cigarette. potato. <laughs> Listen to 365 Days if you want that joke. Uh, and then... <laughs> Ugh. Okay, so then... <laughs> Zoo's character is talking to the assistant, and the assistant is no code. The assistant's like, we need drugs. Yeah. And then Zoo like looks over her shoulder and goes, "Is that a Sia wig? Is Sia here? Is Sia here? And yes, yeah, Sia is here. She has like a face mask on because Sia has that thing where like she doesn't like her face seen. Yes. And uh, Sia then goes, "Drug dealer, is that you? Yes, drug dealer, come here." And uh, Sia's plan is there was an earthquake in Haiti, mm-hmm. and they're gonna buy a buttload of pain meds. And send them to Haiti. Um, we're doing charity now. That's right. You know what we're going to do with the drugs we buy from you? We're going to send them to Haiti because there's been an earthquake. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all these buildings fell down and children's bones were dislocated. It's really sad. Yeah, now they're trying to put them back together and they've only got Tylenol. There's all this red tape. Even the Red Cross can't get in. And that's where you come in. We're going to buy a shitload of pain meds and put them on my private plane. On her private jet. And she's calling it Pop Stars Without Borders. Yes. You were trying to make this make sense. My plan is that Sia is lying it, and wants to look altruistic because she's now kind of blown her cover. Yeah, she, she, I, I'm thinking it's a lie. My other thought is that she was preparing for when, in reality, outside of this film, Sia the human gets caught with drugs and can be like, no, it's for charity. Watch my film. Yeah, it's- This way she gets out of getting arrested and she gets someone to watch her film. Like- it's pretty smart. Uh, also, I didn't know Sia is painfully Australian. Is she? Did, did you hear her voice? Yeah, she's in, Australian. In this, like, I had no idea how Australian she was. I'm going to be honest. I, I could have totally bought the accent was an affectation. So I just looked it up. She is Australian. <laughs> well, in this film, if, if nothing else, she was painfully she's Australian. She's also, uh, she's credited as Pop Stars Without Borders. Oh, Jesus. Um, 
Oh, what the hell is the scene? Is my next note. Well, you and I both make the exact same connection in that it, this scene reminds us of the fanatic. <laughs> this is the scene from the fanatic where out of nowhere they're like, yo, you like Limp Biscuit? And then they just listen to Limp Biscuit because Fred Durst directed the film. So it's just like, hey, C is here. C is here. How wonderful. She's the best. Oh. So we're done with the film by this point. <laughs> just yeah. so you know, we we are super checked out at this point. Yeah, and then like, uh, music goes into the rack. There's a musical number where she tries on clothes for no reason. For no reason. Like, I don't know what she's experiencing in reality that is showing up as this dream sequence. But... And like, we're using the term dream sequence because we don't... We don't, we're not equipped with a better term because it's never made clear what these are. Yeah, because we have no idea what's happening and we are trying our best. (laughs) And the fact that they're not just with music makes these not make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Anywho. So then we see Zoo meet with Rudy because Rudy, now she wants to get a lot of drugs to sell to Sia. Yeah, a lot of drugs for Sia. And Rudy is like, I have a new organizational system. Like, Rudy's just like in his own world. Rudy actually, like, Zoo asked for 500 pills of something. Yeah. And Rudy, almost crying, says, I know that you're playing me, but if you're thinking about leaving town or skipping out on me in any way, don't. Yeah. And this is the closest he gets to, like, a threat. Mm -hmm. But the threat is almost like, you'll break my heart. Yeah, like he's, everyone needs a drug dealer as chill as Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, like he's a weirdly like kind, cuddly drug dealer. Mm-hmm. He never threatens violence. He never threatens music. Cause like immediately after that, he was like, "Did you say my shirt is cool?" And Zoo's like, "What?" And he's like, "This outfit, it's new. I thought you said it was cool. Is it cool?" And like, kind of goads her into saying his outfit is cool in like this weird comedic scene that shows up out of nowhere. I. I can only deduce that Benjamin Schwartz, like Tignataro, was never given a real script for this film. Yeah. So, then, like, she gets the drugs, and we see, like, Ebo and Zoo kind of, like, both bottoming out. Because Ebo is, like, out of the medication. We see him just kind of, like, flipping around a bottle that's mm-hmm. empty. And Zoo get Zoo is late, and George is like... Hey, come get music. Like, I, I have to do other things today. Yeah. And Zoo's like, I just need to do one more thing. Yeah. But George declines, and she has to now take music with her. And they go to the park. And in the previous time they were in the park, music got a rainbow snow cone. Mm-hmm. So now she wants another rainbow snow cone. Yeah. And in the time it takes uh, Zoo to get her wallet out to pay for a snow cone... Music's on the ground grabbing gum off the bottom of a bench. Yeah, and just starts chewing it, which is something we've never seen her do before. And it's just, I, I, like, I don't know how to feel. It's about unnecessarily this. unpleasant. Yeah. And she's like, spit it out, spit it out. So she spits it out, and then a bee lands on her hand. Yeah. And oh my God. The moment the bee lands on her hand, it's like when the nail sticks up in a quiet place. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, you know exactly what's going to happen. We just have to wait for it now. Yeah. Ugh. She squeezes the bee. The bee stings her. You get like 
strobe flash because yeah. she's being overstimulated and 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 then some zoo panics zoo and somebody panics. goes is she allergic and zoo goes i don't know which is maddening if you tell me that it was in the note from earlier yeah it's in the book that oh, millie left her it's so frustrating and then like zoo carries music into the er screaming mm-hmm. like terrified and uh Zoo didn't grab her bag. Yeah. Zoo left her bag full of drugs. Yes. And uh, we also then cut to Felix having a boxing match. Yes. Felix still exists. I know this is stupid, but man, do I want to talk about this scene. Please do, because I have no notes. Okay, so (laughs) uh, Felix is like, he's got gloves on his hands, and he's going to have his first boxing match. And his parents are there, like, cheering him on. And Ebo's like, listen, I know you don't want to be here, but I'm very proud of you for being here and doing this and showing up. Which I was like, that's awesome. That's awesome coaching right now. And then he's like, all right, just, you know, don't let him get inside. He can't hit you if he can't reach you. All right, let's do this. And then despite the fact that it is a, a boxing gym, they don't own a bell. Yeah. So they hit a glass with a pencil? I was like, really? Like, that's one of the first things you buy is a bell. Whatever. So this kid who's like definitely not in the same weight class as Felix comes out and he he puts his gloves out to like touch gloves at the beginning. Yeah, like sportsmanship. And uh, Felix puts his arms out. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, he's just going to get knocked out. Yeah. But then he hugs him. And I was like, oh, it's a hug instead of like touching gloves. I guess that's fine. Mm-hmm. Cut to the dad being like, don't hug him, hit him. Cut back to the ring. And it's not long, but the opponent Felix is fighting hugs him back and starts to cry. Really? I missed this entirely. And, and then we cut away and it's over. And I'm like, what happened in the boxing match? What ha- Was there a fight? Did they separate and he got cold cocked? What happened in the fight? Oh my god. Who was that kid? Why was he crying? So, it's so confusing. So then we go to the park <sighs> at night and Zoo is trying to like overturn trash cans and look for her bag. Mm-hmm. Which you can't like report missing to the cops because it's full of drugs. And uh Music's fine. I feel like you need to recover after that yeah, situation. Mu- music, despite being allergic to bees, is kind of over it. And, like, walking around, there's no swelling. Like, she's fine. Yeah. And so then, like, Zoo has a meltdown. Because she's now lost all of these drugs, her way of paying Rudy back, her yes. way of, like, making a life for herself. And then we hear music's AAC device go, I am scared. Yes. And she goes, I'm scared too, music. Mm-hmm. And she finds some alcohol and relapses. Yes. And then she's in the hallway and she starts screaming for Ebo. Yeah. And she says, like, the relationship might be too much for me right now. I don't know if I can do this. And then Zoo yells, I don't care about the AIDS. Yes. Which we've never established on screen that Ebo is HIV positive. Nor, and we definitely did not establish that if he is... That Zoo knows this. Yeah. So it just kind of comes out of nowhere. 
And you know, let's take the only black lead character and make sure he has AIDS. Yeah, like it's it's offensive. It's bad. It doesn't make sense. It lacks any sort of pretense. Like it's it's a it's a great mistake that authors make of just because your audience has told something, immediately assuming all your characters know it. Yeah. And this is not the last time this is going to happen. But this is a this is a mortal sin in writing because mm-hmm. you're just wrong. <laughs> yeah, like it's the opposite of dramatic irony. Yeah. Like. What, we don't know how she knows this. And so she's screaming. And then like a rando who you've never seen before is like, what is going on? Yeah. I'm calling the police. Yeah. And Zoo begs him not to call the cops because she's on probation. Mm-hmm. And then Zoo super relapses. Like we see her at a bar. Yeah. So music's alone. She's asleep. She's fine. And these are the words of Zoo. We get a music number. And the choreography has a lot of stimming in it still. Like, still imitating uh, music stimming from the beginning. Yes. And, but what's going on here? Is this music's interpretation of what's happening to Zoo? Yeah, because it's the the sequence is about Zoo. Yeah, and music's and she's not like even... wearing a heart? Yeah, and, like, music's not even in it. Yeah. Like, music is ostensibly in her apartment. I hate this. <laughs> it's so dumb. Uh, and and she we, falls and hits her face on the steps. The end. <laughs> well, and then uh, we see Felix, and he's applying for a service dog. Yes. Which we don't know anything about Felix, so we're like, okay, he's looking for yeah, a service Just to clearly state this, Felix has no lines in this film. Felix, Does he not speak? Felix never speaks. Huh. Yeah, he has no words. So, like, we're trying to piece together what's happening here. And uh, then Felix's father is having a fight with Felix's mother. And mm. Felix's mother has slipped him a note that says, like, I love you. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I love you. Keep yeah. Uh, and then Felix's dad starts to choke out Felix's mother. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, this is it. Felix is going to fight. Yeah. Like, this is the boxing he learned. Yeah. No. No. Felix's dad punches him and he hits his head and ostensibly dies. Yeah. He's never seen again in the real world. Yes. So what happens next is you see... It's also... No, you know what we need? We need to address a thing real quick. Sure. Of the only Asian characters are Felix's parents. Yes. And like the the timing of this film could not be worse. Yeah. Having the only like major Asian characters be the only outright evil people. Like, you know, not the mother, the father. Having him be the only outright evil person... Yeah. Is... There's also no reason for it. No. Like, Felix's story doesn't feel like it has a reason. We don't understand why Felix is there. Like, I... Felix is a half-baked concept in this film. Mm -hmm. He's not his own plot. He's not his own story. Yeah. He he barely exists. He has, like, ten minutes of screen time. He he definitely... Feels a way about music. And I'm not, like, I know that sounds vague, but, like, that's basically the amount of information we get. Yeah. Is that, like, we see there are moments where music is walking around and Felix is there watching her. Yeah. And, like, he flashes a light into her room. Like, so Felix feels a way about music. 
Yeah. There's no real evidence that music is aware of, of this character until we get this dream sequence. And let's unpack this situation. The dream sequence is hard for me to watch. Be, like, visually. Is it because it's racist? Because it's No, no, no. I'm saying just purely directing the way the background is and the way the camera moves, it is disorienting. Uh, so, like, right there, I'm just like, I don't even want to try to figure out what this is about. But I'm going to try to figure out what this is about. Felix dances. Um, well, it starts off, it's Zeus singing. And Zeus is in an ambiguously Asian-inspired, um, like, dress. Yes. Uh, it's, it's East Asian. It's not authentic enough to attach a country to. Right. And so she's, and she's against this very, very, very busy background. Mm -hmm. And so she's singing and Felix approaches and uh, begins to dance with music. And then first, music kind of dances in the way music has been dancing in this very like stimming inspired choreography. And then it becomes a fairy tale waltz for no reason. Yes. And then Felix vanishes and a man drives by on like a bicycle with like a basket at the back for people. Mm -hmm. And Felix and Millie are both on the bicycle. And Felix is also in like strange makeup. Like he has red cheeks for some reason. Yes. And music's costume is also um, ambiguously East Asian. Yes. So it's like this weird cultural appropriation. Ahoy. Yeah, and then the bike goes into, like, a tunnel that's, like, bright. Yes. And, like, my interpretation is this is Felix going to heaven. Yeah, this is, like, Felix crossing over. But if this is music's, like, interpretation of this, she's able to hear what's going on across the street. Which I guess is the whole, like, she can hear whispers from two rooms away. Mm -hmm. So she's aware of Felix and his death here. Yeah. I guess. Maybe. Oh! (laughs) Like, the act of trying to make this film make sense is so frustrating. Because, like, I have to sit here (laughs) and explain this, and with every sentence I say, I can think of three reasons why it's wrong, but it's the best I can do. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, there's so much wrong with it. That it's actually, it becomes very, very difficult to under, like, to, it's really, really, really hard to talk about this movie. Yeah. Because there's so much wrong with it. Like, there's so much where I'm just like, you're just going to have to see it if you really, like, it's so verbally hard to explain. You're just going to have to see it. But for the love of God, don't watch this movie. Yeah. And like, I I read an I read a uh, review, I was reading a review by Hari Srinivasan, who is a nonverbal autistic person as well. Okay. And uh, they're having a lot of difficulty with, like, this is a person who's a student at UC Berkeley, excelling, and I could, like, here's the quote. But I'm also a student at UC Berkeley, excelling in academics, and I get to do many things, including being a student journalist and part of research labs and advocacy. I teach a class in autism as a student instructor. 
which is a societal oxymoron, as teaching and non-speaking autistics are not thought possible together. So this is someone who is a non-verbal autistic person, like music, but I am able to, like, get this insight into their inner world. We never see music given the opportunity to use a computer. Yeah. That's not the uh, AAC device. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really rough to, like, look at how this film plays everything as poorly as possible. Yeah, like, including a scene where it would show that there is some sort of relationship between music and Felix, even if it's just her looking and then looking away. The idea that Felix is a person that music would want to take a snapshot of yeah, would do wonders for this. But instead, I'm left trying to interpret something that is taking place outside of reality and then trying to relate it to the reality of a film that no care has been taking into uh, account on how information is gained. Yeah. Like, is so frustrating. Like, there's no care in this movie. There's no, no care. Let's get to the end of it. <laughs> but, like, we also, we don't really know how music knows Felix has passed away. And we've established music's routine. Why wouldn't we just have the next day music going about her routine and noticing Felix's absence? Yeah, I mean, I guess, because this was something that I was trying to, like, force into it. Part of the routine could be Felix flashing the flashlight. And there could be a moment, and they almost tried to do this, where she's in bed expecting the flash of the flashlight and instead gets the flashing of the police cars. Yeah. That's not made super clear, and, like, I feel like even drawing that connection is giving Sia too much credit. It's We're desperate. <laughs> we, we do this with a lot of movies, where we desperately try to claw in meaning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so then, Felix, in the suit from that dream sequence, puts Zoo to bed. Yeah. Because we have now just no lines. Nothing makes any freaking sense anymore. Oh, which is my next lot. My next note is nothing makes any sense nothing anymore. Nothing makes sense anymore. And then uh, we see that music has wet herself. Yes. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Like, I understand. And it's never even discussed. Like, it's just a quick shot where, like, because I went, oh, God, she wet herself. And you hadn't even caught it. I didn't catch it. There is a moment where Zoo says, uh, music wet herself. And... I think it's supposed to be like impactful in that it was something that music hadn't done for two years, and mm-hmm. now she's relapsing the way that Zoo is relapsing. Because there are moments where I'm like, are you equating autism and drug addiction? Yeah. Which that just even... I, I don't even like that I said it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that there's a recording of me saying those words. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, everything about this movie makes me feel gross. So I'm going to speed run this next bit. Do it. Uh, bury my face in my hands. Zoo is roughed up. Ebo sees her, asks her what happened to her face. Zoo cries. Zoo blacked out. And Ebo's like, I really like you. Why? Uh, Why? Why do you like this human? Zoo breaks down and cries that she has no one while Ebo gives her back the little clay figure of Raindrop. And I guess they break up or whatever. Zoo, but they weren't together, but whatever. Zoo turns up on George's doorstep to beg for help. Um, montage, everyone's sad. 
Uh, we see, like, Zoo begging Rudy that she's going to pay her debt. She can't find an honest job. She has to take a pee test for her probation. Zoo, Zoo, Zoo. Uh, Zoo cleaning Millie's things out. And then we get to Zoo hugging George because she's packing music's things to send her to an institution. Yeah. So, like, real quick. One, they really established that if you have a problem with a drug supplier, talk it out. They're chill people. Yeah. Two, we spent... An hour and 30 minutes on this girl's downfall and failure Mm -hmm. that gets fixed in a montage. Yeah. So she decides to be a good person, and then she is. We don't need to see it. What are you doing? No, she decides to try to get her life together, but that part of getting her life together is getting rid of music. Yes. And so then uh, Zoo kind of like moves... She takes music to... A, a facility. We don't know much about it. Yeah. And the person who runs the facility is like, we do the best we can. Yeah, we don't have a lot. But it's an underfunded facility. It's probably not somewhere... We, we don't get the impression that Millie had a lot of money. So, like, there's probably mm. lot not a lot of music... Not a lot of money set aside for music's care. Yeah. So, Zoo is unpacking music's things. And then music uses her AAC and says, like, don't go. Sit down now. And touches... The figurine of raindrop around Zoo's neck and says, sis, don't go. Like the only yeah. time she's acknowledged her is sis. Yes. Even though Ebo has called her sister throughout. Mm-hmm. Because Ebo is essentially defining her through her relationship, relationship with music. music. yeah. And then Zoo backs out. Zoo can't do it. Zoo takes music and they leave. Yes. And where do they go? They run to the wedding. <laughs> Yeah, they get there and Ebo is speaking at the wedding of his ex-wife and her husband, his brother. His brother. I love you both and want you to be happy. Love is complicated, yes. Um, And then Zoo and Music show up and Zoo goes like, I quit my job and I'm sober and I have been sober since that night. Imagine being at this wedding. Yeah. Like, one, you've already attended a wedding for this woman and a boy in this family. Yeah, like, this. (laughs) if we were at this wedding, it would mean. We'd be in the back talking crap from the beginning. We would have been talking crap about this wedding before we went. Because if we're close enough to go to this wedding, we were close enough to be at the first one. Oh, yeah. So we're like, yo, remember when we went to their wedding? They broke up. She's going to marry the brother and we're going. I'm going to get them the same gift. I'm getting the exact same gift for them. And I'm going to give it to them at this wedding. And then we would be at table nine. Yeah, because we would bu- not be at a close table. <laughs> yeah. With a bunch of other people that we sat with last time getting hammered, just being like, so, is this better than the first one? <laughs> yeah, food was better at the first one, but the open bar at this one. Did hey, you hey. notice that for some reason they sat the bride and groom so their back is to the stage everyone's talking out? Who planned this? And, uh... So, like, they're at this wedding. And... Ebo, I was, my next note is, oh, so Ebo and Music Struggles are to help Zoo's story. Cool. Right. White lady story. Hooray. And then we get, like, Ebo and Zoo kiss in front of everybody. And, like, Zoo and Music are not dressed for a wedding. No. Um, and, like, Music I understand, but Zoo also looks like, uh, the best thing I can say for Zoo's costume is it reminds me of, like, Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman, but, like, the beginning of Pretty Woman. Yeah. And, like, it's not a wedding outfit. 
And they start to play the song that they established earlier in the movie. We probably even skipped the scene when we were talking about it. Millie's, Millie wrote a song for music. Yes. That she used to play for music. And Ebo and Zoo had played and sung it together mm-hmm. in a previous scene. Music, because this is the end of a disability porn movie, magically starts to sing along. Yes. We've never heard her sing before, but she begins to sing. And then uh, Zoo and Ebo start to sing too. The fact that no one has begun to awkward laugh, of like uncomfortable laugh, of like, could you imagine you're at a wedding? Mm-hmm. You're at this wedding, and like the groom's brother, who used to be married to the bride, yeah. has tried his best to give a toast. And, and then, then his girlfriend bursts in. His girlfriend, who is super not dressed for a wedding, oh. and announces in front of everyone that she's been sober since that night. I am lighting up Twitter from table nine right now. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I'm filming myself. And then and them like, yo. And then they're gonna play a song. <laughs> like, I'm gonna pull music out of this part because music's barely in the plot mm-hmm. anyway. But just that part of this of like, and we're gonna play a song. Yeah. Like it almost feels like music is in this scene so that Ebo and Zoo maintain the high ground morally. Like yeah. that you can't say anything. Look, they have this disabled girl with them. Like This is insanity. It's trash. And then we get like the standard, uh, the new normal at the end of the movie of Zoo making music eggs and she finally makes the eggs correctly. Yeah, she gives them the smiley face. And then we hear like, ding dong, delivery from Music Gamble. Oh God, I forgot this was the ending. And a service dog appears. We find out like the last thing Felix did in life was get music a service dog. By the way, not how that works. Like, the dog would have to spend time with music before being assigned to her. Yeah, also, like, when I... Like, I, it's a, I'm guessing a therapy dog. Because it's like it's not like a, a German Shepherd or anything like that. It's like a white poodly thing. Uh, I mean, uh, service dogs have a variety of jobs they do. We don't know enough about music to know what this dog would do. We need, yeah. So, uh, and then we get, like, this stupid rainbow dance sequence at the end. Rainbow dance sequence, whatever. But, like, in the mind of Ebo and Zoo, a dog has magically appeared. Yeah. Because they don't know anything about Felix. And, like, uh, Zoo can barely feed herself in music. Mm-hmm. Now they have to take care of another creature. Yeah. Like, oh, you guys just have a dog now. Someone's got to walk it. Someone's got to take care of it. How are you going to pay vet bills? Right? It's, oh, it's, and then the movie ends. Yeah. Thank, thank God. God. Oh. And like, just so you know, there's tons of stuff we missed. There's a part where he's singing in like a chalk outline box. Yeah. There's one where they're in, like, a, a spinning, like, they're on, like, a lazy Susan, Susan surrounded by, like, guitars. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, the stuff that didn't offend me confused me. And to be honest, uh, for they talk about music suffering from, like, being easily overwhelmed sensory-wise. To the point where I was like, is that what, is, 
the intent of the musical numbers to make the audience feel that way. Yes, let, let's actually talk about that. Uh, because that was my thought, was if we're seeing things through the eyes of uh, music, they're making these sequences purposely overly stimulating because that's what she is dealing with. Yeah. I don't think this is successful in doing that. Oh, no. Because I think back to that uh, Handicapped in the Classroom class I took. Uh, one of the first things we watched was they we watched this video where they took a bunch of teachers and they put them in a classroom and they're like, you're going to experience class as a learning disabled person. Okay. And they were like, is that okay? Everybody understand what's about to happen? It's like, okay, a teacher's going to come in. The teacher comes in and just starts talking at like a rapid pace, mm-hmm. like an unbelievably fast pace. And no one gets to raise their hand. They're just picking people. He would do a thing where he would put like an equation on the board, like a simple math problem. Yeah. But then he would turn to one of the students in the scenario and ask them a different math problem. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they were comprehending what's on the board, not what was being said. Right. Uh he would do things where he was like, uh, name uh, name a, a book with a horse in it. Go. Uh, um, Black Beauty. Name another one. Uh, the Yearling. Name another one. Uh, Black Stallion. Name another one. Um, yeah, statistically. All right. Any- so, uh, and, and like just would move on. And it was things like that where uh, he would ask one teacher that. And mm-hmm. then he would ask the next teacher and they would say... That's the one I was thinking of. It's like, well, now you're wrong. Think of a different one. And just that pressure and speed and stuff like that. And that was the best representation I've ever seen of like, this is how it feels to be in that situation. Okay. This movie fails to do that with autism. Right. And I really need to bring up this. The word autism is used in this film zero zero times. times, which... Makes me think back to uh, Big Bang Theory. Where, like, Sheldon wasn't autistic. He's just different. Yeah. Like, if you're going to try to educate us about the thing, you got to name the thing. Yeah. Like, it's almost like in a zombie movie how they don't use the word zombie. Yeah. It's like, say it. Yeah. So frustrating. So, we've got to talk about Sia. Yes, let's. Um, her behavior during the production and marketing of this movie is, uh, I- I'm comfortable with the term despicable. Yeah. Uh, she essentially, she got a lot of, she got a lot of feedback, all negative, about casting Maddie Ziegler, who she's worked with intensely before. Okay. Uh, as a, an autistic character. Because Maddie Ziegler is neurotypical. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's very hard to teach a neurotypical person to convincingly emulate autistic stimming without looking as offensive as she does. Yes. And Sia tries to claim they had cast a nonverbal autistic person initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no record of this. But the uh, experience was bad for her. So they went and cast Maddie Ziegler instead. Yes. So, what I want to say about that is, one, there is no way you could take an autistic person and put them in the situations of those dream sequences. Yeah. Because they are, they're flashing lights, there's so much movement, it's like, 
it's overwhelming as it's meant to overwhelm an audience of hundreds that would watch this in a theater. Yeah. Like being in that room would give me a panic attack. Yeah. Uh, so like you couldn't expect that from uh, someone with autism to be able to perform under those circumstances. And like when it comes to casting a disabled person, I understand if you're then going to have scenes where their disability is gone. Like okay. you couldn't cast an a blind person to be in at first sight. Have you ever seen At First Sight? I have not. Uh, it's um it's Val Kilmer, I believe. And he plays a blind man who gets his sight back. Okay. Like you can't really cast a blind actor for that because there's parts where then they have to see. Right. It's okay. kind of like when you have someone in a wheelchair and then they have a dance sequence where they get out of the chair. What's Things up, Glee? Like, like Glee, yeah. Like I understand if that's your purpose of going through through the process here. But you you're not actually doing that. You're just making a situation that's impossible for an autistic person to deal with as your excuse. And well, and then autistic actors said like uh, a an autistic actor named Helen Z tweeted at Sia, several autistic actors, myself included, responded to these tweets. We all said we could have acted in it on short notice. These excuses are just that, excuses. The fact of the matter is zero effort was made to include anyone in the production that was actually autistic. And Sia's response was, maybe you're just a bad actor. Oh my God. Yeah. Um... Wow. I hate Sia. Yeah, and uh nobody like nobody liked this movie. It got horrible reviews. It got somehow got nominated for Golden Globe, but Tina Fey and Amy Poehler made fun of it on stage at the Golden Globes. And Sia thought this was a love letter to caregivers and autistic people. Oh, you should have included one. Uh, (laughs) Sia wrote, This movie is both a love letter to caregivers and to the autism community. I have my own unique view of the community, and it felt it is underrepresented and compelled to make it. If that makes me a shit, I'm a shit, but my intentions are awesome. No self-reflection. Sia no longer has a Twitter account, because she quit Twitter after the backlash from this film. Because she kind of just kept doubling and tripling down and attacking people. Mm Mm-hmm. And this movie, it has a 17 on Rotten Tomatoes. That's too high. Um, or it did, no, wait, hold on. Hold on. Let me, eight on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, when the uh, thing I was looking at was old. It has an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was, I mean, it, the movie is painful to watch. Yeah. And here's uh, some quick blurbs from Rotten Tomatoes. Hit me. A completely misguided mess. Uh, Four years ago, a musical genius shot a stinker that she's promoting it so aggressively now suggests she can't see or smell what's right under her nose. How nobody in this doomed fiasco said no at any or every stage is baffling. Fortunately, you can. Uh, The tragedy of music is that no one stepped into Sia's bubble in all five years it was being made. Uh, there's so much this movie gets wrong about the community is searching to uplift. Like, this movie got torn apart. Kate Hudson, uh, 
kind of had to address some of the backlash. And she said, like, you know, oh, when I hear there's anybody that feels left out, I feel terrible. Uh, Many autistic people. Oh, no, excuse me. That's the writer's thing. She says, like, I've only been asked to sort of comment through a quote, and it's not a soundbite conversation. I think it's an ongoing important dialogue to be had about neurotypical actors playing neurodivergent characters. It's an important one to have with people who are experts and really know how to engage in the conversation. So Kate Hudson kind of like is like, oh, I I messed up and I'm going to finally mm. back out and stay in my lane. Yeah. Like the best thing that she could have done was own it. Like I thought we were doing something good. We clearly didn't. I'm sorry. Let's fix it. Like that's that's the path. Not you might just be a bad actor. Yeah. And there's also mm. like a lot of uh, racial issues with this movie with the cultural appropriation and the representation in Asian characters. There's one black lead and he's HIV positive and his village may or may not have killed his brother because autism is a curse. Yeah. Yikes. Um, Were we supposed to think that the wife left him because he had AIDS? We're never given enough information okay. that Ebo is a human being. Um. And that's the, that's the problem with this movie is Ebo and Music feel like they are props to Zoo's story. And, you know, you could write a compelling addiction narrative that didn't include all this. And, ugh. Yeah, like, uh, like, and again, I'm, I, I'm sorry when I say this, but you could tell the story of Zoo and change Music from a person to an illness that... Zoo has that she's not taking care of. Yeah. Like, you you could basically tell this whole story and just have her be diabetic and being ignoring it. Because that's all music is to her, is this thing that she's dealing with. And it's just like an outside force she doesn't know how to control. And we are supposed to get the message that music is beautiful and, like, if you just get to know her... You'll, you'll find out. Because they call her a magical girl at one point. Yeah. But we really don't even see that. Like, I'm led to believe the only reason that Zoo takes care of music at all is so Ebo likes her and she gets rent for free for 30 days. Yeah, it is... This movie's a disaster. Prone restraint is extremely traumatic for autistic people. Uh, several... Several kids have been killed with it. Yeah. And a lot of autistic people had it happen to them, and it's like a trauma source for them. Right. So this movie essentially goes out of its way to hurt the community that it's supposedly representing. Yeah. And Sia worked with Autism Speaks. Uh, Autism Speaks is loathed by the autistic community Mm. because, like, none of the money they get apparently goes to actually helping autistic people. Um, it goes to awareness. Yeah, stuff like that. And I'm doing quote fingers. And so the autistic community does not like Autism Speaks, going so far as to call them a hate group. Wow. Because they think that autism is something that needs to be cured. Okay. And then when Sia found out uh, nobody liked Autism Speaks, was like she goes, I have no idea it was such a polarizing group. While simultaneously telling us she had done four years of research. I did... 45 minutes of research for this mm-hmm. show for this show and clearly 
I know more than she does. And I'm sure I have fewer resources at my disposal than a woman creating a mass market film. Yes. What the poop. Rather than just a podcast, so which what, at this point, I believe is longer than the film. All right. I, I, I think we got to wrap this up. Yeah. I think we're both upset, Tim. Yo, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm super punchy now. So uh, what's your verdict, Noah? Uh, this is uh, definitely a stay doomed. Uh, I would probably put this at the bottom of the... Ra- I would say worst picture. Yeah. Razzie. And I would say the worst thing I've seen. Yeah. Um, this, I would, I, I wanted to like talk about the fanatic more from last year. Yeah. We I saw find, a lot of parallels there. I find this to be the different sides of how autism is, uh, portrayed in media. Autism in particularly adult men is either essentially a superpower or it makes them dangerous. Yes. In the fanatic, it makes him dangerous, but in children, it's always it essentially makes them magic. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought a lot about the portrayal of John Travolta's character in The Fanatic and the portrayal of music mm-hmm. and how they're kind of like parallel in a weird way. This is, not only is this a stay doomed, I very rarely argue that a piece of media should never have been made. Mm-hmm. This should never have been made. No. Um, like... This is, out of the four movies we watched for the Razzies this year, uh, this is a hard last. Yes. And there's, like, a huge drop between three and four here. Mm-hmm. Because, like, 365 Days, Doolittle, and Fantasy Island are not good movies. Right. And 365 Days does have aspects to it that are extremely damaging, depending right. on who you are. But this movie... This movie's not even fun. This movie isn't fun to make fun of. This movie, like, this isn't a movie you roast with your friends. This is a movie where you actively feel disgusting for having watched it. Yeah. Uh, So this is a really hard stay tuned. Yeah, it's a hard, hard stay tuned. Hey, Editor Noah here popping in. Uh, Mara and I were pretty beat up after recording this uh, episode, and then I had to edit it, and now that I'm done editing it, Uh, I feel pretty beat up, so I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, I wanted to take some action. So uh, the April Patreon money that we have raised uh, is going to be donated. We're going to donate it to an autism charity. We don't know which one because, unlike Sia, we are going to do some research and make sure that we pick a good one. So uh, I will leave details uh, on which one we ended up donating to at some point in the future, but I just wanted to say that now at the end of this episode that uh, we're planning to donate April's Patreon money to an autism charity, and uh, we hope that uh, this podcast was educational and uh, not upsetting for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Back to the show! Uh, So, uh, let's talk about next week, because next week... We did ask uh, our listeners if they wanted us to do Absolute Proof, which is a documentary and not really what we do. And we got no. They didn't want us to do that. So we gave them some other options. Uh, And while some wanted uh, Battlefield Earth and some did want Batman and Robin, next week, as requested by our listeners and our patrons, we will be doing Jack and Jill. So get excited for that. That's going to be something. I will say, 
between now and our recording of Jack and Jill, I'm going to try to watch Absolute Proof. And I'll okay. give you like a mini, uh, just for tradition reasons, since I watch all the, the Rising movies. And I'll give you a brief summary of how terrible that was. Uh, but uh, be sure to check out our Patreon. Uh, you can sign up for as little as $5 to get into our Discord, and you can help decide uh, what we're going to be listening. And also, there's a bonus episode out right now on Trapped, so you can check that out as well. Where can people find us, Laura? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you want to talk to me about hippos, let's go with the hippos. I'm at Plus Two Comedy. Uh... If you want to talk about sexual agency in 365 days, join our Patreon, because that's what we've been talking about. Yeah, we have been talking about um, that a lot on our, our Discord. But if you want to just pretend this movie never happened and talk about literally anything else, I'm at Sprocket League. Until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>